Hi everyone, and welcome to the 104th episode of Kingdom Hearts Union. I'm your host, Brandon, and I'm here with sad news. Oh man. So, for the past few episodes, I'm sure you've noticed I've been alone. This time, though, I was going to have my co-host, and I did have my co-host, and we did record an episode, and then Audacity lost my recording. So... Oh, man, somehow it's kind of my fault because it's my computer's fault and it's my responsibility, so crap. So hopefully next time for next episode, we won't have technical difficulties and I'll have both my co-hosts back for uh, the Tokyo Game Show episode. Thankfully, uh, we did record, so I got to talk to my friends who I haven't gotten to hear from in a while, so they're doing well. Uh, so I guess that was good, but unfortunately, I have to record the episode again because I don't have time to re-record because I have work tomorrow. Life, right? Anyway, for you new folks, Kingdom Hearts Union is part of the podcast series called Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts Union and is presented by the Gaming Union Network. We release every Tuesday, rotating each week with Final Fantasy Union, and we come out on the iTunes store, KingdomHeartsUnion.com, youtube.com slash khunionvids and kingdom hearts ultimania's twitter which is at khultimania we have a two segment show today first we have news and then we have questions in the way of announcements uh our first announcement is as always if you like the show and you want us to get better please consider supporting us on patreon at patreon.com slash ffkhunion just pledge a dollar and get access to an entirely separate podcast called please be excited our Patreon executive producers for this episode are as follows. First, we have Barry Norton, who is at Nortron Zero. We have Christian Thompson, who is at Orbits Gaming. Christian Burge. Josh McNabb, who is at J2K9. Louis James. Satria Jaja Zudarma, who is at Satria625Rubin. By the way, uh, if you check out last episode, Satria joined us as an executive producer special guest. So uh, definitely check out the last episode to hear that segment because it was really good and very topical actually uh next we have skylar loveless tiger crane who is at Paupu milkshake william trengrove who is at varnish the azure chris morales eric decker harley crawley who is at dark zt okami keena johnston who is at axken michael graham thorin bullen who is at massacre 23 zach duranto who is z duranto 58 alex troutman who is at akira namejin uh, Billy Jackson, who is at underscore Billy Jackson. Genesis Alejandro, who is at Junison7. So we have Jason Rivera, who is at Neo Arcadiac. Next, we have Jason Rivera, who is at Neo Arcadiac. Joseph Robertson, who is at Pokemon Trainer J. Uh, Keith Field, who is at The Mighty Keith. Chris Russell, who is at The Ninja Max. Manning Franks, who is at Like underscore Peyton. Mike Shirley Donnelly, who is at Curious Quail. Muhammad Koyam. Nico Gonzalez, who is at Nick underscore Nack 95. Rachel Rachel Casterton, who is at Orba Yun Ray. Vita Nitas, who is at Vtron under, V underscore Tron 5000. And Zelda Clone, who is at Apes Type Novels. And as always, be a part of the show. Please send us your questions to khuquestions at gmail.com if you'd like your questions featured on the show. All right, so in the way of news, we've got a lot of interesting news topics. So first bit of news is... Uh, Kingdom Hearts 2.8 has been confirmed to be a part of Square Enix's uh, Tokyo Game Show lineup, as a surprise to almost no one, because it's been at most of the shows recently. Uh, But there is confirmation that it will both feature a trailer and a demo. Now, uh, if I was a betting man, I would say one of the two of those things is not new, and if I was also a betting man, I'd say that would be the demo, but 
there's been no confirmation, uh, you know, here, there, or anywhere about what is new and what isn't. But I would assume personally that the demo's probably not something new, but the trailer will most likely be, uh, considering how close to release Kingdom Hearts 2.8 is, uh, given that it will be releasing in December. If I was also a betting man, I would also say that this would probably be the time that they would announce the release date. So uh, I would say, you know, keep your fingers crossed for that. Watch out for uh, September uh, 15th through the 17th, 15th through the 18th. I forget when Tokyo Game Show is, but it's around that time. And that's when we'll probably find out a lot of new information about Kingdom Hearts 2.8. So can't wait to see what uh, what they have to offer there. Another interesting bit of news coming out of Japan as well. Xbox Japan has removed their listing of Kingdom Hearts 3 on their website. Now, a lot of people have taken this to mean that, oh, well, maybe... Maybe the King, maybe maybe Kingdom Hearts Three is canceled for Xbox in Japan, and you know what? That might be possible, uh, but we don't know for sure. Uh, so for so far for now, all we can really say is uh, Xbox Japan, the, their website has one less listing on their website, and that's about all we can say for sure. Uh, but as far as the speculation goes, I actually kind of would buy that that. Kingdom Hearts 3 is not coming out on Xbox One in Japan. Uh, currently, uh, as far as the Xbox is concerned in Japan, Xbox has always had a hard time in Japan, but Xbox One especially is having a real tough time. Uh, I can say just, you know, by casual uh, conversation with people and children and adults, young and old here, uh, from what I can tell here in Japan, most people don't even know what an Xbox is. And uh, for the game shops that I've seen in my area, uh, most have almost nothing for Xbox uh, when, you know, Nintendo and uh, Sony stuff is all over the place. So it's really interesting to see also in like recycle shops. So places that sell uh, secondhand products, uh, you definitely see a lot less Xbox related stuff than you do uh, PlayStation and uh nintendo stuff so really interesting there i definitely did not see of the xbox stuff that i saw in recycle shops i not, i didn't see even one xbox one game but i saw a, a handful of original xbox and a handful of xbox 360 but almost nothing uh from the uh, xbox one now you might say oh that's because xbox one super new why would it be in a recycle shop already well i saw lots of playstation 4 games there so I mean, for it to be in a recycle shop means that someone bought it before and sold it to the recycle shop. You know, it's like a, you know, like a thrift store. So uh, I don't know if that's indicative of the Xbox One owners in my area or not, but, uh, you know, take that for what you will. So if, you know, if this does, if this is the case, I wouldn't be surprised uh, because you have to remember when it comes to releasing a console game, especially a AAA game, uh, it costs money to release the game and you need to weigh the costs of how much it would cost to print your discs, how much it would cost to have your products sitting in retail and, you know, it's manufacturing shipping costs and, and all the other upkeep that require that is required to sell a physical product in a store. Uh, all that stuff adds up. And if you can't sell, if you don't predict that you can sell enough, to offset those costs, then it's not a good idea to be releasing that physical good. And I think 
If there was ever a reason, I would say that's probably the main reason why Kingdom Hearts 3 probably wouldn't be releasing in Japan. Then you might ask, well, why why not digital? Maybe it could be digital only in Japan. And you know what? That's a good point. Um, As far as I know, there really isn't. Uh, I, I don't think there's a startup cost to get your game listed uh, in in like an X, on the Xbox marketplace. There tends to always be some sort of way that uh, the storefront will take a cut of the revenue, which is normal. Even that even happens with physical goods as well. So Microsoft might take like a thirty percent cut from the uh, from the sales, uh, but. That's the same for physical goods, and you know that's typical. And that that you only have to pay that money once you make the money. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't know why they wouldn't just do that. Just you know, release it there. But even then, it might not just. It just may not be necess- It may not be worth it. Uh, the only other cost I could think of associated with releasing a different version of a game, like for example, a Japanese version on Xbox, is that it would also require quality assurance because every game that you put out requires quality quality assurance and certification with the uh, platform holder, Microsoft. Uh, So I don't know if they're maybe required to pay for each version and region. So maybe maybe that's something that they might have to pay for and maybe they just wouldn't offset their costs if they did that. I don't know. But I think at the end of the day, that would be the main reason why they wouldn't release in Japan uh, the Xbox 360 or the Xbox One version of Kingdom Hearts 3 is because for some reason it just wouldn't be worth it for them. They would probably lose money by releasing it. Now, taking this a step further into uh, what I would consider crazy town, what if this is indicative of a more sinister trend what if kingdom hearts 3 doesn't come out on xbox at all globally what if that happened now um i think first we should weigh the positives of what such a thing could mean even though i don't think it will happen uh the positives of what that would mean is any uh effort any funding any basically any blood sweat tears or money that would go into making an xbox version would then be funneled into making the ps4 version better so that's always uh you know a good thing i would say and um currently uh kingdom hearts 2.8 is following that route kingdom hearts 2.8 is only releasing on playstation 4 globally so that's an interesting thing so um you know that might be a uh some sort of a hint of that happening if it was to happen. Um, but the reason why I don't think it will happen is a, for business reasons. So unlike in Japan, where Japan has an almost non-existent Xbox user base, globally, while the Xbox is selling roughly half, or has sold roughly half of what the PlayStation 4 sold, you still have, a, you know you still have the potential of adding 50%, you know, a 50% increase to your market share uh, or market uh, selling possibility if you release on more than one platform. So if PlayStation 4 has, you know, 40 million units on the market and Xbox One has 20 million units on the market, I mean, while Xbox One doesn't have that many units on the market, if you release your game on Xbox, you stand a chance to selling to a market base of 60 million as opposed to 40 million. So, 
from a global standpoint, I don't think it would make sense for them not to release it on Xbox if they can. And, um, you know, it's it's not a trivial thing to release on multiple platforms, but they are, in fact, using Unreal Engine 4 for Kingdom Hearts 3, and Unreal Engine 4 is a multi-platform engine from the start. So, um, from a technological standpoint, it shouldn't be that more complicated. It seems like it's way harder for the 15 team to handle Xbox One than it would be for Kingdom Hearts because uh, the Kingdom Hearts team has the support of a separate company altogether known as Epic Games, and they are all about supporting their uh, uh, supporting the developers that are using their engine. Uh, and uh, you know they already have been actually. Uh, Epic Games actually helped the Kingdom Hearts team port over all their code base. Uh, or port over stuff from their code base that they were having trouble porting over to Unreal Engine 4, namely Kingdom Shader, for example. So that was that was help from Epic. So I think with the help of Epic Games and the fact that you know they have the potential to really increase their selling, uh, you know, their sales opportunities, uh, I, I think it would make no sense not to sell it on Xbox, especially since they have a multi-platform engine already. So that's my thoughts on the matter. I don't think it, uh, I don't think it's, you know, feasible that it would never come out on Xbox anywhere, but I do kind of believe that it won't come out in Japan because I don't see a reason for it to come out in Japan on Xbox at all. So take that for what you will. Anyway, next bit of news, Kingdom Hearts Key has finally concluded in Japan. This is specifically the web browser version, Kingdom Hearts Key, the original, uh, that's uh, about three years old now has finally uh, been put out to pasture. It had a super big story blowout, so if you're into spoilers, you can go and read about that. There's already been full fan translations of the entire plot of Kingdom Hearts Key. Uh, The non-spoiler lowdown on what the difference is between Kingdom Hearts Key and Kingdom Hearts Unchained Key is that effectively, Kingdom Hearts Key had a final ending, and that plot line is done and kingdom hearts unchained key will not end in the same way and it will actually continue on past the point of kingdom hearts key so uh, now actually let me just say right now i have not seen anything from kingdom hearts key uh i've not gone past whatever is available in unchained key so you know, take everything I say for a grain of salt, but if I had to guess what was in there, which if you want to find out, you can go and find it, but if you want to know what I think is in there, effectively, it's probably some sort of a bad ending where uh, the future refused to change. (laughs) Love is over, basically. They got the bad ending and the world is over, whereas Unchained Key probably has a bit more hope. I'm not sure, but whatever it is, Clearly, it's a more final ending than what Unchained Key will have, where it can continues onward. So, that's that's basically the deal. Sp- speaking on Unchained Key, actually, uh, so what the so the storyline that is concluded in Kingdom Hearts Key will continue and will be fully shown in Unchained Key, and that is what is considered uh, season one. And currently, season two is being developed for Unchained Key. Uh, currently just for Japan, obviously it'll eventually come out in America, but, um, you know, this information comes by way of the Japanese, uh, marketing team. So, you know, 
just letting you know. So basically, uh, Unchained Key is being developed. Uh, uh, a second a second season of Unchained Key is in development right now for Japan. Currently, there are three new worlds in development. Uh, one of them was Cinderella's World, uh, Enchanted Forest ca- Castle. I don't know. Whatever. Whatever. <laughs> Castle of Dreams. I think is what it's called. Uh, basically, uh, Cinderella's World, and then there's going to be another one that is a familiar Disney world to the Kingdom Hearts series, and then finally, there's a third world that Nomura has said will not have ever been in a Kingdom Hearts game up until this point. So, if you're into Kingdom Hearts Key, this should be really exciting for you, because you'll be experiencing something that no other Kingdom Hearts fan has experienced yet. Eventually, when we finally get the second season and that's going to be a while because even in japan unchained key has not cut up with kingdom hearts key so it'll be a lot more waiting basically uh and uh yeah as far as like what it could be that third world uh some people have speculated that it might be related to some of the uh promotional tie-ins that they've been doing recently so for example one of the promotional tie-ins related to Zootopia, uh, as Zootopia was coming out here in the States. Um, and there was also a promotional tie-in for Jungle Book, as the Jungle Book live-action movie was coming out. But, you know, this... Uh, personally, I kind of feel like that's neither here nor there. Those were just promotional tie-ins. You know, this was a promotional uh, collaboration with Disney, which is, you know, their eternal collaborator for Kingdom Hearts, because Kingdom Hearts is half Disney, half Square. Uh, as far as legal ownership is concerned. So I wouldn't take that to mean too much, but I mean, it makes it more possible than, than nothing really. You know, the fact that Zootopia and Jungle Book have had some relation to a Kingdom Hearts game kind of uh, boosts their possibility maybe, but uh, I wouldn't take that as a confirmation that that's what the third world will be. But, you know, we'll see when, when it finally arrives. Um, so yeah, uh, be excited for that. Next uh, bit of news, uh, there are currently no plans to release any audio or video recordings of Ki- the Kingdom Hearts First Breath concerts, which is super sad because those things were super exclusive. They only had uh, three venues that they uh, appeared at, and yeah, one and done, I guess. Uh, unfortunately, I wasn't even able to go, even though I'm here in Japan, uh, because they basically all the tickets were sold in May. And they were all done by lottery, and basically you put your name and your address and I guess your payment information in a hat, and uh, if you win, you get to pay money for a ticket. This is how they do things here in Japan. It's not first come, first serve. It's it's sort of a system to deter scalpers. That's the idea. Because um, otherwise, you know, the fastest person, even though to us in America it might seem fair that, you know, if you're faster, you should get the ticket, right? But in Japan and in China... Uh, scalping is, I guess, such a problem that uh, if if it was first come, first serve, everyone and their grandma in a particular family would all line up to buy the tickets and would sell the tickets online. So that's just how it is. Um, unfortunately, now that you know it's been confirmed that there's really no plans to release any of the audio or video recordings, uh, that's really sad because... It seemed like it was a really unique experience, and yeah, I guess no one will ever see it ever again. Oh, that's pretty bad. 
So I guess there's, you know, there's still hope for World Tour. Uh, World, World Tour, World, the main difference between World Tour and First Breath, if you don't know, is that with First Breath, it was fully a uh, wind ensemble. So we're talking brass instruments and flutes and I guess woodwinds, whatever, whatever they call them. And, uh, and they were fully arranged by Kaoru Wada, who is the orchestral arranger for the Kingdom Hearts series. And yeah, they are arranged and uh, conducted by Kaoru Wada. So it was a really interesting event. And there was even some interesting drama. Um, not drama in the sense of uh, YouTube drama or <laughs> celebrity drama, not gossip. But drama as in like a like an audio play that was exclusive. We talked about it on the last episode. There was like an exclusive audio play that was at one of these concerts that I guess now we'll never see or hear. Uh, but yeah, uh, unfortunate. Hopefully uh, they change their mind when it comes to the world tour. So uh, moving on to our questions. Our questions for this episode uh, are brought to us by the Gmail account, which you can submit your questions to uh, questions at gmail.com if you, to be specific. So if you guys want to have us answer your questions, if you guys want us to talk about what you want to talk about, send us in the, send that in the form of a question to khuquestions at gmail.com, and we will surely oblige. So our first question comes from Manning Franks, who is, by the way, one of our Patreon supporters. Thank you so much for your support. So Manning Franks asks, all right, this is a bit of a long one. <clears throat> so at the end of Kingdom Hearts 1, Xehanort's Heartless tells Kingdom Hearts to fill him with the power of darkness. Yet a few seconds later, Sora declares Kingdom Hearts is light and the door proceeds to open, destroying Xehanort's Heartless, saving the day. Huzzah! However, once Sora and the gang get closer to Kingdom Hearts, they find out there actually is darkness on the other side of Kingdom Hearts. And we find out later that this is the door to darkness. As a kid, I guess I didn't put two and two together, but now it got my roommate and I thinking, we know from other games, Kingdom Hearts is the iconic heart-shaped moon. And if that is the case, if this darkness was in Kingdom Hearts, where did the light come from? Was this just an oversight from the game makers not planning ahead to other installments, or is this actually not Kingdom Hearts? I'm honestly super confused, and Kingdom Hearts Wiki isn't helping. Thanks in advance. All right, so <clears throat> I think now that we did the uh, 100th episode where I had to like research a lot of this crap... <laughs> I'm a little bit in a better position to to give my best explanation about what's going on here. Um, from what I can tell, I think the explanation is there, and I think it's even in Kingdom Hearts 1, but it's it's better understood when taking it with information from other games. Um, so in our original recording of this, Churro was the one to initially tackle this question, and he brought up a good point. Uh, basically in Kingdom Hearts 1, uh, it's illustrated that Kingdom, that the Keyblade, which we can only assume is very closely related to Kingdom Hearts, but we can only assume that, uh, you know, it's illustrated that with the Keyblade, the way it works is the strongest heart is who controls the Keyblade and whatever the wielder wills is what happens. So one explanation for it could be that whoever calls to Kingdom Hearts 
whatever they ask for, their desires may be fulfilled. So, for example, in that one instant, the only person who was calling to Kingdom Hearts was Ansem. So he called for darkness, so darkness is what he's getting. And uh, clearly, beyond the door to darkness, there's an entire world of darkness. So there's plenty of darkness to give. But when Sora calls to Kingdom Hearts, his heart, being much stronger than Ansem, overpowers that request, and he asks for light. And you know what Kingdom Hearts is? Kingdom Hearts is full of light. So Kingdom Hearts easily obliges, all right, you want light, you got light. So that's one explanation is that, hey, maybe it's just like the Keyblade. Whatever you ask is what you get. You want an orange soda? Here's your orange soda. You know, that's one explanation. But what I think the actual explanation is can be found uh, more clearly illustrated with Kyrie's grandmother's story, uh, the story of Kingdom Hearts Unchained Key slash Key, and the story that we uh, that is revealed through Birth by Sleep and uh, Dream Drop Distance. Basically, Zehanort's plot. Uh, so if you look back into Kyrie's grandmother's story, and if you listen to what Zehanort's always babbling about, basically, at the end of the Keyblade War, Kingdom Hearts, which was fought over, you know, uh, if you remember in the Kyrie's grandmother story, uh, the ch- the people fought over the light, quote unquote, Kingdom Hearts. Pe- the whole point of fighting in the Keyblade War was about getting control over Kingdom Hearts, right? After the Keyblade War, Kingdom Hearts fell into darkness. So you may you may see where I'm going with this, but basically, so at the end of the Keyblade War, Kingdom Hearts falls into darkness, forever to be lost in darkness. So, why is it that when Sora calls to this door, he can get light out of it? Well, I would say the best explanation is because Kingdom Hearts, somewhere deep down in there, is in that darkness. It's somewhere deep in there. You're not seeing it when you open the door because that's the realm of darkness. So, my best explanation of the whole anatomy of the situation is the door that you are looking at That is the door to darkness. When you open that door, what you are immediately seeing is the realm of darkness. And somewhere deep within lies Kingdom Hearts. And it got there because at the end of the Keyblade War, that's where it went. It fell into darkness. So when Ansem calls out to the door to darkness and says, Kingdom Hearts, fill me with the power of darkness, supreme darkness. Kingdom Hearts is obliging him with the darkness that is found in the realm of darkness. There's an entire world of just darkness, uh, you know, apart from Kingdom Hearts. So that's an easy request to fulfill. There's lots of darkness in there. So Kingdom Hearts can give him that if he wants. And Sora calls for light. Now, Kingdom Hearts itself is light. So it can can supply Sora with all the light he wants because Kingdom Hearts, from what we can tell, seems like it's the source of light. So... That's my best explanation as as far as what the whole situation is. The door is the door to darkness. When you open the door, you're seeing the realm of darkness. And somewhere deep in there, we can't see it. We don't know where it is. Maybe Kingdom Hearts 3, maybe 0.2. Kingdom Hearts, the big old heart-shaped moon, is somewhere in there. And I guess we'll just have to find it, (laughs) you know? That's kind of the point of Kingdom Hearts 3, right? You know, forge the Keyblade and uh, either form another Kingdom Hearts or find Kingdom Hearts, right? 
All right, so that I think that pretty much wraps up that question. Moving on to the second question. This one comes from Nolan Nark, and Nolan Nark asks, how important do you think Radiant Garden is as a world for Kingdom Hearts? Since its keyhole was such a challenge to reveal, what do you think this means for the world? Personally, I think this means there is a lot of there's a lot more darkness and its various entities within Radiant Garden that it needs to be protected from. So that's a really great question. Um, so basically, what makes Radiant Garden so special? Why is it that out of all the other worlds that it takes so much effort to reveal the keyhole in Radiant Garden? Um, this uh, this one I actually don't have as much good information about, but I'll do my best guess guesses based on the information we have. So let's let's talk about okay. So what things do we know for sure are different about Radiant Garden, or at least things that happened in Radiant Garden that didn't happen in other worlds, like for example, any of the Disney worlds. So the number one thing I could guess is that a lot of experiments happened in Radiant Garden. A lot of uh, heartless related, heart related, darkness related, and door to darkness and uh, light of the world and heart of the world. There's all kinds of crazy experiments that was going on there. So you might assume that maybe it's somehow related to that perhaps due to all the uh, abnormally dark experiments going on in Radiant Garden, the world maybe grew a stronger shield for its uh, keyhole. Um, Perhaps it's something that'll be discussed in a future game, but uh, going purely based off of stuff we already know, uh, I would say that's probably the number one thing that makes it different from other worlds is the stuff that happened in it. Namely, the Heartless Experiments, uh, experiments on the heart of the world, stuff like that. The fact that there's a massive Heartless factory there <laughs> that's pretty close to where the door is. So there's a lot of things that happened in Radiant Garden that didn't happen in other places. So uh, if I had to say, that's probably what makes it so complicated is if I had to guess, you know, if it was, you know, the classic example, if I was tied to a chair, gun to my head, and, and they said, you need to write the Ultimania that explains this plot point away, I would say, because of all the dark experiments, the world sought to protect itself, to protect its own keyhole, and as such, it grew a stronger shield uh, to protect uh, to protect its uh, keyhole, and the only power that could ever uh, unlock or reveal its own keyhole is the power of Kingdom Hearts. And as far as we know, uh, Kingdom Hearts was lost in darkness. So as far as the world could tell, uh, nobody could ever assemble the power of Kingdom Hearts because, hey, Kingdom Hearts is gone, so I'll be fine, right? But, oh, whoops, the world forgot. Oh, there's seven princesses of heart that are the embodiment of the light of Kingdom Hearts. Oh, crap. I hope nobody gathers all the seven princesses of heart. Oops, they already did. Oops, one of them lost their heart. Oops, no, they didn't because it's in Sora. Oh, now my keyhole's revealed, and now I'm caught with my pants down, and now Ansem's in the realm of darkness. (laughs) That's my best explanation for everything that happened there. Um... Naturally, this could all. The problem with explaining things this way in fiction is that I'm going based purely off of stuff we already know, and that's the way fans work. 
the way authors work is they just, if they see a problem, they'll just write something new, something we don't know about already, and that'll be the explanation. So if you ever wonder why most fan theories are wrong, it's because of that. It's because fans work off of existing information, whereas authors have full control of all information and they can just make new plot points. And that's generally what Nomura does is instead of going off of the content he already has he'll add a new plot point a new plot device and use that as an explanation instead so it's a good marketing it's a good marketing slash business strategy because it allows him to sell more games basically (laughs) I think most of the series uh you can attribute to stuff like that trying to explain something away uh by making a new new content new characters and uh you know New games, basically. That's new new products to sell, new figures to sell, new uh, posters to sell, stuff like that. So, always assume, <laughs> always assume capitalism uh, as, instead of incompetence. That's always that's always a good motto. Um, so yeah, I think that pretty much wraps up our question segment. I know it's kind of a short episode. I'm really sorry. Unfortunately, I'm without my, uh, compatriots. We actually had a pretty interesting discussion segment, uh, in the original recording of this, but I didn't think it would have been as good if it was just me talking about it. So, uh, maybe we can, uh, revisit it again, uh, in the future. Basically it was about how we felt about the future of the possibility of a Kingdom Hearts movie, uh, since Kingsclave has come out recently. So maybe we can uh, address that discussion again uh, in the future. Maybe I can make it even better than the original version that will sadly have to be forever lost to time. For the music for this episode, we've got a really great uh, violin cover of Rage Awakened. This one comes from Violin Gamer on YouTube. Uh, what I think makes this arrangement so interesting is that if you've ever listened to like one of those acapella YouTubers where they like overlay a bunch of their own recordings of a particular song kind of like smooth smooth mcgroove uh that's basically what violin gamers doing here but with violins so he plays all the parts and he's layering in like i want to say like maybe anywhere between seven to nine different recordings of him on violin so it's pretty cool so definitely check it out and check him out on youtube because it's uh this is a, this wasn't the only kingdom hearts song he's done it seems like he's actually done quite a few i pick rage awaken because uh you know it it's such a cool song and it's been a while since we've had a you know arrangement or cover of it so uh, definitely enjoy that. Our next Kingdom Hearts Union is scheduled for the 20th of September. Uh, as a reminder, as always, you can subscribe to Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts Union on the iTunes store. Just search for Kingdom Hearts and we're number one. And of course, you can catch every episode at KingdomHeartsUnion.com, YouTube.com slash KHUnionVids, or Kingdom Hearts Ultimania's Twitter, which is at KHUltimania. And remember, if you like the show and you want us to get better, please consider supporting us on patreon.com slash ffkhunion. We've got a lot of great rewards here, and if you want to find out about them, go there, patreon.com slash ffkhunion. Uh, we've got Please Be Excited. That's our $1 tier. If you want your Twitter handle on the show, that's our $2.50 tier. $2.50. And uh, we've got some other tiers. We've got drawings. And also the top tier, uh, which Satria Jasha Sudharma took advantage of last episode was our $10 come on the show tier where basically you get your own segment on an episode of either Kingdom Hearts Union or Final Fantasy Union. So if any of that sounds interesting to you, please check out patreon.com slash ffkhunion. And as always, if you want your questions answered on the show, please send us your questions to khuquestions at gmail.com. Send us one, send us 20. 
Send us a million. Please. That would be great. <laughs> it would make episodes like this a lot easier, right? You know, because at least I have stuff to answer. So anyway, it's that time again. It's goodbye time. Oh, man. I wish Sa Sabi and Churro could have been here, but it was really nice talking to them today. Uh, unfortunately, none of you will be able to hear that. Uh, but maybe next time. I mean, you gotta hope so. It's gonna be our TGS episode next time, so hopefully they'll be here. Alright, so... Uh, I guess that's pretty much it. So I'm Brandon saying goodbye. This has been a KingdomHeartsUnion.com production.